0: Hi guys, uh, welcome back to this episode of Don't Say We Didn't Tell You. Um, we have Emmanuel on the podcast today. Um, I think so. We're finally upping our male quotient because I feel like we've had a lot of women. Um, obviously, we had. I think Doomy we've only week. had
1: Daniel and Dumi as the two yeah, men that we've had. Yeah.
0: So we're trying to balance this out. So we have Emmanuel, who also goes by EI. Um, Emmanuel, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners?
2: Hey everyone, it's great to be here and uh, glad to be playing a role in increasing the sort of male population on the podcast. <laughs> uh, my friends call me EI, I'm from Nigeria. I was raised there, schooled there, uh, studied electrical engineering for undergrad, uh, and then did six years of strategy consulting before coming to HBS. Uh, I enjoyed my consulting experience. It was coverage of seven African countries, something like 25 engagements, all kinds of sectors, all kinds of clients. That's not the focus of this podcast, so I won't go into additional detail. Um, But it was helpful in setting the stage for me to come here. And yeah, it's really great to be here with you guys today.
1: And I will say, Manuel is the president of the Africa Business Club here at HBS, representing Nigeria as always. Um, So happy to have you on. Um, Okay. So I'll get started on the questions. I guess my first question is very broad. Why did you decide to get an MBA? Um, And as you were thinking about, okay, I want to apply, what was kind of the thought process that you were going through?
2: Yeah, I think this, uh, it's been a long time coming. I think I always knew that at some point it was going to happen. um, When you do strategy consulting, it's kind of like one of the exit options for you. Uh, And I'd started learning a lot about leadership development and the management sciences in my second year in college. Um, I had a long story about why I decided to choose engineering, but let's say it was a values-driven decision. And then in the course of executing that values-driven decision, I realized that there was something else I was calling my name um, by way of leadership development and management sciences. And so I got really intrigued by all of that and started reading a couple of actually HBS textbooks. There were legendary professors back in the day, the likes of Professor mm-hmm. Michael Porter, the famous Porter's five forces or consultants and all that. Um and so I read the book. It was like an eight hundred page book. Probably read it in my fourth oh my God. year. And it was so exciting to see like, you know, strategy and strategic thinking and market signalling and all that. So I think that's probably where the seeds of business school uh, was planted. Mm-hmm. And then I went in and did consulting. And every once in a while, maybe every one, and a half to two years, I'd ask myself if the time was right. Because um, I did feel that beyond consulting, I wanted to do something that allowed me to sharpen the broad competencies of managerial skill sets that I was developing. Um, it was a question of timing though, like when would be the right time, because I was mm-hmm. having a lot of fun with consulting. Somewhere between my fourth and fifth year, I decided, you know, i would had enough and it was time to begin to progress towards the, the next step in my career. Uh, had done the analyst and manager track and I felt like I wanted to step away from consulting and take on a more operational role and that the NBA mm-hmm. would help me uh, make that pivot. And so that's when I decided to pull the trigger and begin the process.
0: So it sounds like it was almost a clear-cut decision uh, mm. for you from the start. I guess, like, did you see any sort of cons or negatives or was it 100% like this is, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's largely clear-cut. Um, One of the guiding sort of principles for my career is I've always wanted to be able to explore all of my potentials, and pretty much all the career moves that I've made have been to unlock one aspect or the other, Um, and I felt like consulting was a real life changer, Um, but at some point it made sense to go to the next level. So yeah, it was pretty clear-cut, however, having spent five years studying engineering in Nigeria, I was not ready to go back to school for a long time um and so it took me eight years (laughs) after graduating from engineering to decide that the time was right uh to take that next step in in the career so yeah partly clear-cut but also wasn't necessarily excited about it from the get-go until i had significantly matured in my career and i felt like it it made sense to, to move forward
0: got it um okay so once you made the decision that the timing was right how did you decide which schools to apply to like what were you optimizing for in school choice
2: yeah, the lesson here is rather idiosyncratic and not systematic. So I'm not sure I'm going to call this a best <laughs> practice for other people to mimic. My decision making was clear. Went on the rankings, what are the top four schools in the world? And that's where I was going to apply to. The research I did suggested it was Harvard, Stanford, Wharton and INSEAD. Um, and so I decided I was just going to target all four of them. Um, successfully applied to Harvard, Stanford and Wharton for INSEAD did the application just didn't click submit until i heard back from the others um yeah and, and that was literally it now for other people i think you need to be a bit more thoughtful about who you are what kind of program you thrive in do you like the case method do you like lectures do you want to be in america do you want to be in other parts of the world maybe even in africa because there's, a, there's an argument about like why come all the way to mm-hmm. learn about doing business when you can go to a business school in africa and learn how to do business in africa and then plant your business in africa and you have networks and all that so there are all sorts of arguments this was my process i don't think it's yeah. sensible for everybody else to mimic the process
0: i guess how I would mean, you have say, the confidence
2: oh go ahead no no i mean i
1: was just going to say like i use the exact same process basically for business school and for undergrads so there's no shame in it
0: <laughs> like i probably inadvertently did the same thing but i feel like doing that requires some level of confidence mm. or some level of like yeah like you kind of have to feel like i feel like i can get get into these schools yeah. so was it i feel like i can get into these schools or like if i don't get to these schools i don't want to go at all
2: yeah i mm. think the i think it was a mix of both um i certainly had prioritized My personal and professional development for more than one to two decades, and I felt that I had what it took. However, I can also be a bit of a gamble, um, yeah, Yeah. in a numbers game with these things. So you really don't know. I'd also recently uh, had a couple of close friends, people that I grew up with, people that I knew, um, who went on to get into small schools, and I was like, look, if this people can get in, then maybe maybe I can too. Like, who's to say that? I mean, there was someone that we literally lived in the same apartment complex. And they got in. I was like, yeah, these are, you know, human beings, these are Nigerians. We grew up together. (laughs) We went to the same schools. We worked in the same companies. Maybe I should give it a shot. I think the final thing was, you know, I really enjoyed consulting. I was doing very well. I wasn't hungry or anything. Um, And so to take me from a thriving situation, it would have to be that this was going to be the best um, opportunity. Uh, Because the opportunity cost is high. Well, first of all, there's two years of foregone income. Uh, people don't talk a yeah. lot about the psychological costs of leaving the country you were born in and the continent mm. you're born in or going to another place that cost is actually quite significant and so when you think about everything that I would have to either forego or additional costs that I would have to incur I would only do that for the best okay. that makes yeah.
0: sense
1: yeah, yeah, and I think we'll talk a bit uh, more about that stuff later on. But I just wanted to ask so, when you were going through the application process, what resources did you use? Obviously, the different parts of the application there's the GMAT or the GRE, which is like test prep, there are the essays. Just in general, what resources did you use?
2: Yeah, and I think I could have been a bit more thoughtful. Uh, I think overall, it took me more than one year to make this happen. The first year was a bit haphazard, so I was literally. I tried the GMAT, I tried studying for it. The math wasn't my thing. It, was, yeah, it, was, it was like the bane <laughs> of my existence. I was like, look, I'm getting too old for all of this. Uh, and then I got a tip uh, uh, from my college friend saying that GRE was a bit more engineering-like and like engineers really likes GRE. So I was like, oh yeah, so maybe this is the one for me. And I, indeed, I tried a few practice questions. The math seemed to be more palatable. The verbal, on the other hand, was the exact replication of the GMAT math. So I had easier math with Jerry, but harder, verbal. And you have to cram like a thousand yeah. words, words that you will never use again in your entire life. Like I haven't <laughs> had to see those words again. I'm just like, why am I memorizing all this? Anyways, you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, my first attempt wasn't successful because I wasn't intentional in developing and I, I, I wasn't smart in the way that I approached it quite frankly. And so the second time around, I took some time to really set myself up for success cadence of daily studying for like four hours every day and then Mm -hmm. taking tests at the end of the month to see how i was tracking and then comparing this month versus last month what did i get right what did i get wrong and why and then doing another month of study and take the test i did that for like six cycles before i started getting scores that i Mm -hmm. thought were reasonable so it's quite a bit of hard work that goes into this, um, and that's just the mm-hmm. test portion. Everything else also takes hard work. For me, the test was the most difficult thing. I'm not a fan of standardized tests. I've heard that from a lot of people as well. Um, and also, yeah. yeah, I don't know, the way that I was taught in, uh, in high school and in college wasn't one that set me up for success in standardized tests. It set me up for success in other mm-hmm. areas, but standardized tests wasn't just one of them.
1: So it sounds like, did you, so you primarily self-studied? Prima- primarily like.
2: self-studied. I did use the Magoosh, uh and to answer your question more concretely, mm-hmm. the Magush GRE app, um, which I think was good. But I think that the GRE is getting tougher than it used to be. Um, every time I took it, it was at a higher difficulty level than what the test uh, providers, what the, the test prep material prepped me for. Um, so a word of caution to anyone who wants to take this advice is things have changed ever since I took this thing. And I have reason to believe that things are getting tougher. So maybe a combination of resources can be helpful. I've heard people talk about using tutors. Um, it, it just wasn't my style. I didn't have the time for it. Again, if you're doing consulting, yeah. Yeah, your time is just not your own. Uh, so I needed something that I could pace myself on. And so I used the Magoosh yeah. thing for, for test prep. Uh, In terms of essays, I felt that no other person understood myself, my candidacy, and my story like myself. So I primarily worked with myself to develop my essays. I did not work with admissions consultants. I considered one, but ultimately didn't feel like the value proposition was compelling. And these guys also have a ton of clients, and I felt like I wanted to position my candidacy in a very, very specific way, and I couldn't trust that any other person would execute on that. So I worked on my applications myself. Um, earlier, I talked about a friend who got into uh, actually got into both Harvard and Stanford, and so I asked them to help me review some of my thinking, and they provided exceptionally helpful uh, feedback and content. It was literally two of us working on it and submitted. Hmm.
1: Interesting. And I'm just curious, like when you were when you were crafting your essay, what was the narrative that you were trying to get across that you didn't trust anyone else to help you kind of get that story across?
2: Yeah. Um, I wanted to tell the story of my life. I wanted to talk about how I had evolved as a person and talk about my lifelong pursuit of my potentials. And there were three segments of that story that I went into in the, in the essay and in other application documents. And I didn't think anyone else had the insight uh, or the patience required to get to know me at a deeper level to really uncover those insights um yeah it wasn't anything like that dramatic but like there were things that were things that happened to me when i was seven there were things that i had done i I feel like i used to be very bold and challenging as a child Mm -hmm. and as a teenager i'm not sure i'm that bold these days i wonder what's happening to me Mm -hmm. but anyways i remember you know being in high school coming out of high school i got my first job and i challenged my boss on like day three and i was like your solution is wrong my solution works And they were like, prove it to Mm. me. And I was like, okay, fine. Bring the CFO's laptop of the entire company and I'll prove it to you. And then I proved it and the guy was stunned. I was like, "You bring your own laptop and I'll show you that myself. You know, so, (laughs) you know, there were things like that. And, like, Ah. those stories were very specific and I didn't think that anyone else would replicate um, those stories. Mm. And so I decided it was best that I work largely with myself.
0: Wow. Um, It sounds like you worked really hard on your application. Like, not to say that other people haven't, but, like, it sounds like you put in a lot of work um i guess if you look back on the entire process it sounds like maybe the was would you say the gre was the hardest part or was there something else that you found to be particularly challenging i'd
2: say it was certainly the test 100 percent the test um i felt like every other thing was making sense i felt like i had the right kinds of professional experiences i was privileged to work uh in companies that had set me up for success uh, my last friend was actually very instrumental in setting me up for where i am mm. today uh, the coverage, again, like I mentioned, was seven African countries, all kinds of clients, all kinds of work. Literally, like, it was, it was explosive and very helpful work experience. So I had been privileged to have all of that. I been privileged to have a uh, relatively fortunate childhood and go to, you know, relatively good yeah. schools. Um, and so pretty much everything else looked like I could conquer. It was a test that was literally yeah. the bane of my existence, and I had to write it more than, more than once. Um, yeah, to to get through. Um, And yeah, hard work, I would say, is necessary because again, with this, you're competing with the world, right? HBS gets something like 10,000 applications. I hear last year it was 20% less than that, but thousands of applications every year. You're not competing with your village. You're not competing with your country or continent. It's the whole (laughs) world, right? So if if you're going to present a candidacy that allows you win at such a global stage, then you really have to put in the work. Um, and it could take anywhere from six to 24 months, uh, to be ready to, to make that move.
1: Okay. So you went through the application process, you got into schools, you picked HBS, when you got in and you realized, like, okay, I'm going to business school, this is actually happening, I'm, like, moving away from Nigeria, I'm taking my new wife with me. Like, how did you deal with all that? Clearly, there was a lot going on in your personal life as well as your professional life. Like, how did you kind of deal with the, what you were saying about it being, like, psychologically tasking, you know, thinking, like, I'm moving to a whole new country for this process? Um, what was that like?
2: Yeah, that bit was, um, it was intent. Uh... I had the good fortune of getting into HBS, Stanford, and Wharton, and those were essentially all the schools I applied to. Um, obviously, the first question is how do you choose between HBS and Stanford, uh, and so I had to go through decision making for that, but also forward thinking, how do you line up everything that you need from an immigration perspective, from a financing perspective, doing all of the logistics. I had to manage, you know, exiting out of my job. I was doing uh, a very prominent uh, strategy piece for an African government at the time. Uh, and then went on to do a regional development strategy as well. So there were like big, high-stakes, high-profile engagements I was working on. I was on the line for a promotion as well. I was uh, prepping to get married at the time as well. I had to divest my assets from Nigeria. There was just a lot. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I took a project management approach to managing all of it, and I think at the time my life was like one giant project that had some like 11 or 13 work streams and every day i'd wake up at 4 a.m in the morning and just try to understand what's happening across each of them literally that was the only way i could have done it because like there were so many moving wow. pieces There was a high potential for failure failure would have been catastrophic in any way I mean, you're dealing with marriage, you have to meet parents, you have to do stakeholder engagement, you have to get the wedding plan on board, it's a budgeting process, it's fundraising. It's not
0: you describing marriage as stakeholder engagement. Yeah, but, I but, mean, but, it,
2: but is. it is. <laughs> it is two families. I mean, in Africa... I know, I <laughs> yeah, get it. And essentially, the same methodology, actually, yeah. and, I, and I found this to be interesting, the same client engagement methodology that I used at work was essentially what I used. And it worked so well, because you have to put the stakeholders first, you have to you know cozy up to them you have to keep them posted make them happy send updates yada 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 and it made all the families involved happy so yeah it was the same thing it was just so many <laughs> things were happening at once um i think it was just and this is where again I, I i think that i'm fortunate in having the kind of training and upbringing that i have it was just yeah. leveraging everything that i would learned throughout life all of the skill sets and putting it together in that very life-defining moment uh to take a step forward Eventually I chose HBS, I felt it, it made the most sense um, for the career that I was thinking of and I felt that it maximized my optionality. The other schools are perfect, um, I just felt more at home with the, with the HBS decision and then I decided to move in that direction.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, my funny story about Emmanuel is the first time we met, I don't know if you remember this, where we yep, went to lunch he in Lagos. Us, we went, yeah. It was like me, you and Dami, you we went to Z yep. Kitchen. And like, the, he just said it's so casual. He was like, oh yes, I'm divesting from Nigeria. And I was like, w-. he said, he was like, I've sold all my furniture. I changed my last Naira to dollars. Like, I've divested. Like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, the divestment was because I needed liquidity, right? I mean, you're undertaking yeah. an investment, yeah. six digits USD. You need all the money you can get. So you got, you got a hustle. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so emmanuel you got married basically right you got married the summer before school right um and you moved here with your wife how has it been sort of having your partner here and sort of adjusting we've heard a lot of things about how difficult the partner experience can be how difficult it can be mat- balancing school and all that yeah. um yeah would love to hear more about that experience
2: yeah it's a uh, it's a uh... It's had its ups and downs. I think the school does a lot to try and get partners included, everything from ensuring that partners can attend pretty much all events, they can be in whatever club, they can sit in on classes, access the library and all that. But I think there's only so much that a school can do. At the end of the day, the partner is not the student, and the school has to optimize more for the students than for anybody else, and like, it's just, you know, it is what it is. Um, and so part of it is yeah. having a partner that is understanding. Um, If you're Mm -hmm. moving halfway across the world with somebody, you better trust the person and you know that the person Yeah, is reasonable uh, and rational to a large extent. So I think that's where it starts from. The second is making sacrifices um, To make them Mm -hmm. feel included and to make them feel secure and there's so many things that I don't do As a matter of fact the default answer for many invitations I get unfortunately is no Um, Everything from the large parties to most of the trips and that's not because I'm a snob or I don't like people. It's because I have my primary stakeholders and, you know, you have to manage everybody, <laughs> right? Like, you can't be gallivanting halfway around the world. Your wife is alone in your Boston apartment staring at the ceiling yeah. or the windmills in front of, of campus. Like, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. so sacrifices on both ends. They're making an important sacrifice by approaching their life and coming with you to business school. You also have to, quote-unquote, shake body and, you know, and make life um, easy for them. So those are the kinds of sacrifices yeah. you, you also have to make. And then, as much as possible, try and include them. You know The section experience in the clubs... Uh, Gina's been very active in the Africa Business Club this year. It's been such a delight to see that. And she's been having a lot of fun. So where the opportunities for them to participate, bring them in, acknowledging that it wouldn't be 100% of the time. So they also need to be comfortable with um, not having to plug in all of the time. I think it's just been those three things um, that has helped us uh, navigate. First year was a lot because, again, our entire life changed. I cannot emphasize how drastic and how dramatic the change was um but over time yeah. you get used to it and second year has just been almost like a walk in the park it's been such a great time we also moved closer to campus so it's yeah mm. it's uh it's it's making a lot of sense now
0: nice
1: yeah i can't imagine how crazy that must have been first of all just even getting married on its own is like a whole thing but getting married changing countries moving to like even just having a new climate, like the Boston weather. Like I can imagine your first Boston winter, you're like, what is going on?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that snow thing was it wasn't funny actually. Like, you know, the first day we saw the snow, it was like, Oh yeah, snow, first time, who were and then the next day it was like everyone was so cold. You know, we tried we tried building a snowman to be kids again. The thing just didn't work and then our hands got frozen. I remember one day I think I almost got frostbite. Because I, I, I was not wearing gloves, and I you know, was playing with the snow and doing all that. And then I made a very stupid mistake from taking my hand from a very cold environment right into hot water to try and warm me up. And uh, yeah, it was a horrible experience. So it's a bit of a learning curve yeah. there. Um, and you're not only changing countries, you're changing continents as well. You're moving from emerging markets yeah. to club markets, very different cultural context. There are some positives because Mm. there's predictability. Things work on time. You literally know that it's going to rain in seven minutes. But the cultural context (laughs) that you're used to, the software that has essentially been your life for pretty much all your life, changes literally within 36 hours. And yeah, it, it takes a lot of getting used to. Yeah, which is why understanding, yeah. mutual respect, effective communication, all of those things that they tell you in marriage counseling, you're reading all these books, all these motivational speakers tell you, and they're like, yeah, 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 been there, done that, we've had that. Like, literally, all those things matter when it comes to situations like this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And how are you thinking about your longer-term plans? I know I think you were interested in tech, but are you thinking about, you know, potentially going back to Nigeria, staying here, getting a U.S. passport? Um, How are you thinking about the next three to five years?
2: Yeah, again, the thing that guides the choices that I make is the pursuit of my potentials. And yeah, everything from college choices, my first, second, third job to coming down here, I think it's going to be the same going forward. It's just now it's going to be, on a bigger scale in terms of not just me, but the family unit that is evolving. And so it starts by asking, where do we need to be for the potential of the family unit to be fully realized? And then walking backwards to say, what is the sector that allows you to thrive there? What location within the geography, etc. cetera? Um, I've decided that technology makes sense uh, for the next phase of my career and my life. Uh, it fits everything from moving from being an advisor to being an operator. I have. Uh, uh, transferable skill sets from consulting that would um, be very helpful in tech. I've tested that hypothesis through multiple internships, so I know that it's true. Um, So, yeah, I'm interested in doing that. But it's also thinking about what part of the country makes sense. If you're doing tech, where should you be? Slash, are there other countries where you should be if you're trying to start a tech career? So, like, nothing is cast in stone. It's not like we're trying to optimize for passports and all of that stuff. We're trying to optimize for stability first of all, and then walking backwards to say, mm-hmm. you know, what does mm-hmm. it take to be stable here? So no uh, country's passport is actually high on my strategic agenda. It's literally thinking about, what is the next two years gonna look like for the family? Where will we be? And then reassess after that. And I can see that being multiple countries over the next five to seven mm-hmm. years. I can see it being Africa. Um, cause again, there's a lot that you take for granted, uh, and you just think that other places yeah. are like heaven on earth until you go there and then you realize, yeah, the devil is everywhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, I, yeah, that, that's not how I'm thinking about it. It's just thinking in two year cycles and then take it one day at a time which is very strange. I run a leadership coaching program. The first assignment I give people is to plan their whole life on paper. So everyone who's been through that program is going to be extremely disappointed right now as I'm saying that I don't have a 10-year plan, <laughs> but rather I only think in two-year cycles. But unfortunately, the world has become extremely volatile. I think anyone that's gone through 2020 yeah. will realize that you can have all these fancy plans and then one thing happens and all of it like, dies just like that. Yeah. So yeah, two two years for now and, and we'll assess from there.
1: i think that's the right strategy to be honest because if you try and think too long term you're actually going to go crazy you can't carry everything on your head Mm -hmm. at the same time so you break it down into digestible chunks you control try to control what you can Mm -hmm. control but again there's just so much that's out of our control
0: absolutely yeah well i'm excited to see where you go next because i know you have exciting things in the pipeline um so i mean now we're when when is round two deadline december Um, so we have people currently applying to school still. Mm -hmm. Um, what advice would you give to people applying right now if you look back on your journey, what would you do differently?
2: Yeah, I've had a couple calls with people applying, um, and it's the same thing I tell everyone. There are like five deliverables that you need to submit to the admissions committee and you need to make sure that all five of them are complementing each other in telling that story. Right? There's a test, there's the essay, there's recommendations. Uh, there is your resume and then finally within the application form is like short form questions that you have to answer and all five of them need to be working together to get you admitted. So some people will write an essay where they're essentially saying the same thing on the resume. Oh I worked in this company, I grew revenue, five eggs, yada yada yada, all of that is the resume, right? We shouldn't be having the same thing on the essay. So whilst your resume talks about all of mm-hmm. your accomplishments in an achievement format. So on your resume, you're not saying responsible for photocopying documents. No, it is photocopied 2,000 documents over a six-week period, increasing company revenue by 20%. That's an uh, achievement-oriented resume. So you have all of those achievements on the resume. The essay should be telling, in my opinion, the backstory. Again, the story of your life. Who you are, why you are that way, what you're really trying to do with your life, how HBS can help you do that, and finally, What you give back to HPS during your student years people have different templates i don't think what i've just said is a hard and fast rule i think there are all kinds of essays that get in but this was how i structured my essay i've advised other people to get in uh, to to, to do the same thing and they've been successful Uh, and so i think giving that backstory is helpful recommendations also very important don't go and pick the ceo of your company if the ceo does not know you and hasn't worked with you don't go and pick one president your manager that has worked with you (laughs) and coached you and seen you fail and seen you rise from that failure is probably the most qualified person um, to, to tell the story. And so people need to be careful about that. You need to pick someone who is going to pound the table and say you're the best thing that's happened since sliced bread. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, oh, I humbly uh, write to recommend Aminat into your program. No. I have been in engineering for 20 years and Aminat is in the top one percentile of young professionals I've ever worked with. That is the way the thing should be starting. And then everything else should be singing high praises. So you need to understand, this whole thing is a sales game. Like you're selling, even with the short form questions, oh, tell us about the time you did something and they say 100 words you have to iterate on that thing until the hundred words is pounding yeah. the table. Even the questions that they said are optional. Nothing is optional. Everything should be answered. Answer all questions. <laughs> eh? And with all the questions, sell yourself. Sell your, if there's anything in your application that you think you're uncomfortable about, you have an optional essay, use the optional essay to explain it. You know, so maybe your quantitative score was below the median or whatever. You're not feeling very comfortable with that say there, my quantitative score is not predictive of my analytical capabilities a better predictor would be blah 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 could be your university transcript could be the work that you've done could be maybe you did uh cfa you know all those kinds of things so use everything to sell yourself but make sure that the various documents are complementing and not necessarily duplicating each other so that at the end of the day the admissions committee sees a well-rounded um, application. Yeah. I think one final thing on recommendations would just be, um, there are different ways to go about it. People bring two recommenders from the same company, and I think that works. What I chose to do was to bring one person from the company I was working with, and one person um, that I'd worked with in a non-profit capacity, in a pro bono capacity for multiple years. And I thought that was important because, again, the story that I was putting forward to the admissions committee was... Not just that I'd been a high-flying consultant that had worked with governments and yada, yada, yada around the world, but also that I had a big heart for service and I'd been working for six Mm -hmm. years in a pure pro bono capacity with multiple nonprofits while also running a coaching program for free. And so it was necessary to have someone from that second world also pitching and say, oh yeah, I know this guy, heart of gold, Mm -hmm. loves the kids, cares about leadership, champion for Africa, yada, yada, yada. Um, And so think about the different facets in your application and how you can strategically bring in people um, to say things about that or bring in documents or other kinds of um, documentation. Yeah, that's, that's what I have to say. It's, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it requires resilience. Um, I had to write my mm-hmm. four application documents. Sorry, I applied to four schools, all of the documentation. I had only three weeks left by the time I'd done the test. I'd been focused on the test for like six months mm. and then I was done. I didn't even like this call like that but I was like you know what we have to move forward <laughs> and so i remember on december 10 walking into a cafe by the sea and starting to write the story and every single day i'd go to the same cafe i took a whole month off work i was like look i'm off don't pay me take my salary i don't care every day i go and i sit by the sea and i bear my soul on paper and take walks and come back and do the same thing day in day out on christmas day i was writing and I had to write for 21 days straight to get the quality that I thought made sense. Obviously, please spend more than three weeks working on your applications, start on time, (laughs) don't be like me, I make a lot of mistakes in this life, don't repeat them. Um, But it's also (laughs) a lot of hard work and a lot of grit, and sometimes you have to let go on certain things. They're like, how can you be working on Christmas day? Well, my future is at stake, yeah, so I will work on Uh, Christmas day, you know? So give it the time that it takes, put in the hard work, Uh, persevere, be resilient and keep pushing until you get something that actually makes sense.
1: Love that. Okay, last question. Um, How would you rate your HPS experience so far out of 10? And, well, I guess one and a half questions. And would you make the same decision against come back to business school if you could go back in time? Yeah,
2: I'd make the same decision. Um, it wasn't a decision that I made because all my friends were going to business school or people say that mm-hmm. you can't make it in life without it. Actually, some of the business leaders that I respect in this world do not have uh, an MBA degree. Mm-hmm. Some of people would have made significant impact, no MBA. So it wasn't any of that. It was that I felt that it fit in with the story of my life, the story that I wanted my life to tell, and I could see how it yeah. fit into my future. And I was also at an inflection point where I wanted to switch careers. And I was like, look, this is a silver bullet. You change career, you change geography, you change income level, you change all kinds of changeables with just one tool. And so it was a silver bullet. From that perspective, yes, I'll do it again. Secondly, pretty much my expectations, I would say, have been met. Um, It's not very easy for me to say that because I'm a tough man to please. But if I'm being objective, (laughs) I would say that in just half the time uh, spent at HBS, the most important things I wanted to get out of the experience, I can argue, have been collected. Does that mean I've been a happy man throughout the process? Nope. Was it heaven on earth? Nope. Was it honeymoon, you know, breakfast and bread and all of that stuff? Nope. Uh, it's a tough program. Uh, it's very competitive. You have a thousand type A people in the same class. You cannot experience what the day-to-day can be like. Um, but it's also intellectually stimulating. It, uh, it's great to see all these wonderful people, the annoyances here and there, the school is not perfect, but everyone is trying and you can see that the school is actually being thoughtful. So maybe I'll rate it an 8 out of 10, uh, but I need to be clear that the things that I came to collect, by and large, have been collected um, and so that makes me feel like, yeah, this this was a worthwhile investment that I'll do again.
0: That's
1: funny. Eight is like seems to be everyone's rating, yeah. so mine was also eight. I mean, that was eight. I think Dumis might also have been. Oh, eight. interesting. Um, so seems like we're all pretty uh, on that. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, <laughs> um, Emmanuel, for taking the time to speak to us. Um, you know, it's a Sunday; you'd rather be resting or chilling with your wife. So, thank you, <laughs> um, guys, thanks for listening to our podcast. Um, please follow us at Don't Say Pod or on Instagram, and our podcast is on Spotify and Apple Music. And we will speak to you guys soon. Take care,
0: everyone. Thanks for having me.